writer and professor. This is How Art is Born, an MCA Denver podcast about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practice. Today I'm joined by artist Lonnie Hanson. Hey, Lonnie. Hi. So to start off, can you give us a brief overview of you and your artistic practice? Oh my gosh. It's a big question. Brief, <laughs> brief overview. Um, I think I am now considered uh, uh, an immersive installation artist mm-hmm. in the current vernacular. Right on. Um, I'm a Colorado boy raised in the mountains outside of Pine. Huh. Uh, started as a performer, then went into costume and fashion and then wow. ended up in art. I'm really, the last five years have been really focused on the whole new immersive movement which is just wonderful for me because it does, it combines all the arts. So I love this space because it's, it uses every language yeah. uh, from, you know, you know, from color and theater and, you know, all those, all those different uh, places. And so I'm really, really kind of feel like I'm home now. That's, okay. Yeah. It's nice. Nice. So what kind of performer did you start up? Oh my yes. gosh. I was supposed to be Danny Kay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, uh, or one of the Osmonds, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, song and dance and musical theater and been magic and mm. clowning and uh, wow. singing telegrams. Wow. Which is, you know, which is really blue chip, <laughs> blue chip beginning. <laughs> but those are all interesting things. This is a, a magician open mic. that yeah. used to happen at mutiny information cafe. Oh, wow. Uh, before the, I don't know if it's resumed yet. Mm. But it would happen once a month, and that would that would be great because I would just watch musicians try out, yeah, you know, new stuff. Yeah, no, huh. I love it. I love it. Okay, so you started as a performer, and then you moved into. Yeah, I just I started making other people's costumes and props. Yeah, and then uh, a friend one day sat me down and said, "You know, you, you might be a good performer <laughs> someday, but maybe you could be a great designer." Huh. And I kind of just. Took it and uh, started doing a lot more design. They got into uh, retail design, okay. and window dressing. Yeah, uh, um, you know, I I I, I don't have any education, um, but was working very early, and mm-hmm. so basically did what I could, you know, what yeah. I could find to do. Okay, well, so let me ask: uh, with starting as a performer and doing all those different kinds of things, and then moving into design, what was what was the appeal? Was it like being in front of people? Was it connecting to people, making them feel something? Was it expressing yourself creatively? <laughs> like, what was it that drew you to that stuff? Um, I had some shrinks, shrinks explained to me that it was, <laughs> that it was uh, called creative sublimation. Huh. Um, and uh, I didn't have an extremely dark, but fairly dark uh, childhood. Okay. And uh, the arts were the escape. Yeah. Um, the creating something was another world. Hmm. Um, I could go to, you know, I was, I, I was safe in, in my imagination. So right. I think I, I used it as, I think I used the arts as a, as a kid and an adolescent as a coping mechanism. Right. And then, um, started getting told that I was good at it and also finding out that I wasn't very good at uh, <laughs> things like school and other, oh, I see. other yeah. angles. Okay. Well, so then as you moved into design, yeah. did it, it created the same escape for you? Yeah, I think, yeah, it does. It does now. I think some of the early work was uh, just 
trying to stay alive and mm. make a living. I've, I've been very lucky that I haven't had to have a lot of straight jobs because I wasn't very good at it. Mm. I tried to do restaurant work and I was lousy at it. Right. And so I couldn't, I couldn't do that, you know, the straight job thing and then be creative on the side. So I just had to find what was there that I could, could do so that's that's why it was commercial things like uh, window dressing and right. christmas decorations and halloween costumes mm. and uh, drag queens and strippers and burlesque yeah. and you know all the little tiny pockets that there was a little bit of money and right. uh, a little bit of work okay so um you were in this period where you're designing things specifically to, to make a living, to mm -hmm. survive. Was there a point for you where it moved into like choosing jobs that were fulfilling to you? Yeah. Um, made a lot of different things, mm -hmm. um, worked a lot of jobs. And then I, uh, I did what would now be called my first immersive, uh, gated, uh, project in Omaha, Nebraska, of all places okay. that happened to go viral. Huh. Um, and this is in the eighties, okay. you know, and went vi back then going viral was like a UPI pickup or an AP pickup and associated press, press pickup, press. you know, okay. yeah. and it just it, back then it would go around the world. Okay. And, and so, so we, and I had designed this store that had to charge admission to control the crowds. Hmm. And that kind of got me some fame. Yeah. And we moved to California and opened a retail store that failed uh, miserably. And uh, I answered an ad in Variety and by some unbelievable uh, luck, ended up as a show producer at Lucasfilm huh. in 1990. Wow. And um, it, was, uh, it, it was an amazing uh, experience, but, you know, I wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> uh, wasn't qualified to be there, but, yeah. but, uh, I was, and that, that sort of, I cut my teeth. That's when I think it probably got the confidence, right. Um, that I could do a body of work or that I would, you know, do a grouping of work that would be about, about what I was trying to express. And okay. so then moving back to Colorado after that, uh, period, I think that's when I did my first, um, you know, what I would consider bodies work. Yeah. This is interesting stuff, man. All right. So, uh, so you did this show, uh, it went the eighties version of viral. Yeah. And it led, you answered the ad in variety, which led to Lucasfilm. That's pretty amazing. So then, okay. The Lucasfilm, you said uh, you were working in, in the shows in the night. I was, uh, um, yeah. So I was, I worked for a division that was short lived. It was a brain, a think tank okay. called LucasArts Attractions. Uh -huh. um, it was, so it was a theme park, huh. uh, division, uh, part of industrial light magic mm -hmm. and, and Lucasfilm and worked on really crazy, uh, projects, most of which never got built, okay. uh, never got past legal, right. <laughs> you know, um, and, but also worked on the 42nd street, uh, redevelopment project in Times Square in New York. Yeah. Um, and, uh, worked on uh, all kinds of wild, uh, wild projects. Um, and we were studying a thing called a VR, <laughs> right. uh, this is 30 years ago. Right. And, and, uh, uh, it was a bucket on your head, you know, with, with <laughs> these, you know, with these four inch cables, you know, kind of virtual reality for the under 30. Crowd. Oh yeah, my God. And we, we, you know, uh, so yeah, it was a lot of early, like I said, that was really amazing. It was an amazing time, but a lot of early stuff that never happened. Well, I want to ask, okay. So you, you talked about these themes of, um, finding an escape in your art early on, mm -hmm. um, getting negative messages from other places. Uh, mm -hmm. and then you have this thing that, 
goes viral, blows up. It leads to you working with Lucasfilm. Was that sort of, um, I mean, I think you kind of touched on the idea that that helped your confidence, right? Like, Oh yeah. I was, I was, you know, I started working when I was 14 and I, you know, I got, I barely got through high school. Yeah. Um, I was on my own at 17 Mm. and, and like I said, I've always worked in arts, whether, whether they were low arts or not, (laughs) (laughs) might have been real low, but, (laughs) but I, you know, I, you know, I survived. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was just a huge confident, you know, confidence yeah. builder. And it, you know, and I got picked partially because they didn't want, they wanted some street guy, <laughs> you know, they wanted some guy that had a bunch of background, yeah. which I had retail and entertainment, right? Uh, some of that background, but wasn't Disney mm. and hadn't been brought up through the system. Cause you know, the, those movie systems and theme park systems are very, very constructed. Yeah. Um, so well, then how did that experience change your approach to art going forward? Oh, it just really opened my eye to, I mean, that was a whole, that was a whole period that, that I was learning about storytelling and, you know, mm. Joseph Campbell was my, right. you know, hero. And, uh-huh. you know, and here I was sitting in the same library that, you know, Joseph Campbell did all those interviews, huh. you know, with Bill Moyer, you know? Yeah. And so it was just a brain dump, man. I mean, that was, you know, it just, I learned so much about entertainment and, um, just where all of these forms and part of it was like trying to find out where all the forms were going to go. Right. You know, we were trying to figure out like, what's the future of mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And so, no, it just, it was, it was, it was, that was a very, very short period, but a, you know, yeah. very, very intense. Yeah. yeah. So you came back to Colorado. Yeah. So, cause it could have even could have stayed, mm-hmm. but I was put me on toy design, which I wasn't, uh, uh they'd asked me to design, uh, space guns, which I <laughs> just didn't couldn't relate. Yeah. Um, and so it was either like go to work for them for Disney, go, you know, go to the mouse. I could do that at that point. Um, or come back home and do my own thing. And I just, I wasn't up for the corporate. I wasn't very good at the corporate side of that whole thing. And I wasn't, didn't want to wait years and years to, you know, get a project uh, to be seen for something. So my partner's parents were getting older and dying and we came back we came mm. back home which i was really glad yeah okay so what did you do when you got here like creatively um we came actually we came back here we had we had been designing the wizard's chest uh toy store since the beginning okay uh since 1981 huh. and so betty uh, arca she said if you come back i'll i'll find some money to do a remodel and huh. so uh so we had a job to come back to okay so we built the fillmore store um, Fillmore in second, and then and then shortly after that, built the castle uh, between second and third. Yeah, um, and uh, that got us going. And we worked on. I had a consulting firm. That I took some of the clients that I had at Lucas. Some of them followed me, and then I started doing uh, more fine art and got into the whole public art um, thing. And that's when I did the baseball stadium, and that was a pretty big. It was a pretty big deal in '94. Okay. Uh, so this is good. Uh, I want to go back a little to basics, right? Because we sure. anybody listening to this, they know that you're on here because you're an artist. But you've done so many different things in so many different places. I want to drill down a little bit on what it means to be a designer. Like, how would you mm. define that for people who don't understand what exactly it is you do? You know, the straight answer is a designer uh, solves design problems. Mm-hmm. The, the whole design approach for me is that you can go in and, and solve those problems, whether whether they're storytelling problems or merchandising problems, mm. or and you can do that with art and hopefully some love and courage too. But right. but I just found that 
it didn't matter what form I was working in. It was up to me as a, as a designer or as an artist to bring something positive forward. Yeah. And then when you do see a child light up mm-hmm. or nose prints on a window uh, or hand prints on a yeah. window, then to me, it pays off, pays the same. Mm-hmm. And it pays the same as, or even more than if you sort of do the high, sometimes the higher stuff and right. have the elite, you know, mm-hmm. uh, praise it, you know? Right. So it doesn't matter what, what we do, we can bring, you know, we can bring art, we can bring hope to, you know, just about anything. Okay. And that, that's interesting. I'm glad you said that. So, uh, in terms of bringing hope to anything, are you thinking of bringing hope to the people who have the problem that needs to be solved? Or are you thinking of bringing hope to the people who interact with the art that you create? Yeah. For me, I serve, uh, five masters. Okay. Um, one is the client. Yeah. Which is never the audience. Right. Then it's the team mm-hmm. of who you're working with. Mm-hmm. The checkbook. <laughs> right. You got to serve checkbook or you can't do any of it. Right. Um, and then the higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And if you try to juggle those. So, but for me, it's always the audience, you know, I'll still try to make the client, whoever the client is. Right. Which is usually the person that's providing the funds. Right. Um, happy, but it's uh, ultimately it's about serving the audience because if the audience is happy, then you're going to be okay. Hmm. You know, on the other, other four. Well, so then, uh, what are you trying to bring to the audience? Is it an experience? Is it happiness? Is it making them think of something like, you know, what, you, what, what is it? You know, I, if inspiration is part of it, that's, hmm. that's pretty wonderful. If yeah. you inspire somebody, you know, I, I, I say that I'd like to bring images, you know, joyful images, um, for people. I, I, you know, I think we ultimately, a lot of our work is what heals us. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm, I'm always, I think I'm always after bringing something to that, to that inner child, to the, yeah. you know, to the, whether it's an adult or a child, but that that's what to me is a, you know, sort of an honest living, you know, is right. if you, if, if you've lifted somebody or you, you, you know, if your light has, you know, spread a little bit, hmm. you know? Yeah. No, I've been talking with people about how uh, a lot of art falls into two categories. It could be both, but it's either healing ourselves mm-hmm. or um, saying something to the audience at large. And sometimes mm-hmm. you do both. Sometimes you do one or sure. the other. Um, and it sounds like you tend towards both. Is that, would you say that was accurate? Yeah. I think that my cognizant mm-hmm. approach is about the audience, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it's all, you know, I think we, we are probably all trying to heal ourselves right. at the same time. Okay. So in your uh, five things, you mentioned higher purpose. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, talk about that a little more? That's, I mean, that's in a non-spiritual context. That would be aesthetic. Okay. Um, and trying to bring, the quality of work that's, you know, just trying to do the highest level of, of what you can bring to that, mm-hmm. to that form. Yeah. You know, again, it's like, you know, one of the things that I did here, you know, I rebuilt the parade of lights in the late nineties mm-hmm. and it's parade floats, you know, it's, right. it's parade floats and costumes and rolling stock and all of that sort of thing. And, and I did it, I kind of volunteered for it. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a job, but I kind of went after it because I saw what the parade looked like one night. Huh. We'd done four years of work in Hong Kong, doing big Christmas, huge Christmas stuff over there. Okay. And I came after I had finished in Hong Kong and I was driving through downtown one night when the parade was happening. And I saw what was, 
what was going out there <laughs> on the on the streets right. and what we were feeding our kids and huh. it pissed me off. Huh. And so I kind of, you know, I kind of went after it saying, you know, we gotta gotta do a little bit better here in terms of what we're feeding, you know, these kids. That's such an interesting thing, right? Like, because uh, I think the average person seeing a parade is either engaged or not engaged, but your mind thinking towards like, how can we improve this? How can we make it a better thing? Uh, is it's just a cool and distinct perspective. Mm-hmm. So then, when you when you see something like that, do you just start visualizing the improvements immediately, or you know, like how does it work in your mind? I do tend to see the projects fairly, not necessarily in focus. Yeah. But fully. Okay. Then hopefully I drive it to that focus coming in and actually, you know, holding, holding onto that. And uh, there's nothing that you can't really, you know, come to these forms and sort of say, Hey, you know, let's, let's rethink this a little bit, you know, what's been going on Mm -hmm. and then what, what can we bring to it that would make more magic? Cause Mm -hmm. that was the, in that case, it was that I was looking around and I didn't see any magic. Yeah. You know, I didn't see any, I didn't see any joy. I just saw a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think it's just a matter of of, of looking at the form and saying, well, is there a different way of of skinning this? Hmm. Okay. So I'm super not a sports guy, right? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm really interested in what you did with uh, the baseball is stadium. The correct Mm. (laughs) baseball field, baseball stadium. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. So, okay. Because now the downtown Denver, uh, municipal major league baseball stadium district wow. was who I was working for. Yeah. <laughs> Such a long name. All right. So I wonder about like, now that we've like talked about kind of what you do and how you approach it, yeah. it'd be really interesting to hear how that process worked in regards to the stadium. Oh, like, uh, did you see a problem or was it the job that came to you? Oh, well that, that was a competition. Okay. Most public art, uh, pieces are competitions. Yeah. And I just finished a uh, body of work that mm-hmm. was on cross-cultural symbology. Mm-hmm. I had taken the circle, the cross, and the triangle mm-hmm. and done hundreds of abstracts of those symbols to see if I could find a, a whole. Okay. You know, when we look at a circle, we have the same ideas. And right. whether that was true or not, I was trying to like figure that out. Mm-hmm. And I was hanging out with some artists and the competition had just been announced for the baseball stadium. And somebody made a joke about, you know, hey, you just did the circle series. Well, now you should do a ball series. <laughs> and we all laughed about it. <laughs> and then the next day, fully formed in my head, uh, I grabbed the markers and just started drawing every ball I could right. think of. Okay. You know, including uh, black ball, mm-hmm. debutante ball, oh. uh, you know, wiffle ball, <laughs> odd ball, huh. you know, right. and came up with a massive list of, of, of balls. Mm-hmm. And then there had been this arch, beautiful arch that was in front of the train station that had been designed by a, a female architect. And I was inspired by that arch. And so we built this evolution of the ball and it's, it's a series of 108 terracotta tiles that represent and celebrate each one of these balls. You know, I did the model and the maquette and the drawings and the sent in the stuff, made the finals. And then you've got, you're down to three or four people or whatever. Okay. And then you go in and you do the big dog and pony mm-hmm. and oh my God, I was just, <laughs> I don't think I've ever pitched so hard in my oh. life. And I got done and I remember... <laughs> This very well-known uh, city mother, I got done with my presentation and she, says, and she said, 
what are you going to do now? Run for mayor? Because <laughs> I, mean, I was, you know, I was just that yeah. hyped up about it. And, you know, I think sometimes in those things, the person that gets the gig is the one that truly wants it the most, mm. you know, or it was back then anyway. Right. And so I got the commission and uh, started raising some extra money to do it because it was, I, it was, I think it was $115,000, which was a lot of money mm-hmm. at the time, but it took 150 uh, to build it Okay, and assembled a team of people, amazing people. Cause I, obviously I can't do all this stuff, you know, the right. steel people and concrete people and terracotta masters and gla- you know, glazers and all the balls on top of that uh, archway are all glass mosaic. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a wonderful little studio, an uh, old parking garage, that, which is now Milk Bar. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we, because we made the balls were so big, we needed it close so we could just roll them. Oh, wow. Know, roll, roll them to the site. And uh, yeah, that was that was fascinating. That was that was wonderful. That was my first public art piece. And uh, it unveiled in 95. Hmm. And then, um, you know, it got taken down a few years ago when McGregor Square started getting uh, built. Okay. But we've now... We've now settled it with the Rockies and they're doing the right thing and they're, they're bringing it back. Okay, cool. Uh, it'll be back up by next Christmas. Yeah. So that was my first public art piece. And that kind of, that did quite a bit of um, state and local projects then mm-hmm. um, through the years. Hmm. What's engagement like, you know, so, uh, you have things up in a gallery or when you do like I do, like, like a weekly comic, a newspaper comic, you can kind of see, you get people's reactions to it. So for something that's public art. Mm. Um, yeah. My moments are like really, uh, yeah, they're different. Cause I'm usually not very often people don't even know who I am or where I am, you right. know? Yeah. And so a lot of these big projects is kind of, you know, through the, through the fence, <laughs> you know, you kind of see it. But again, you do get these, mo- the moments are really, they're not like the art gallery moments right. where people are coming and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you get that. <laughs> that I actually don't, uh, I don't dig that very, okay. very much. I, it's, it's, it's hard for me. Uh, but it's the, you know, like in the case of, of that, it was, it, it was that I was downtown one day and I saw a mother and her, her son talking about the the balls and then the the boy taking the imaginary balls and, huh. and playing with his mother. And, you know, and you see that. And when you, when you, when you see the dialogue happening or when right. you see in the case of something like camp Christmas, you see the grandparents and the parents and the kids and the, you know, the multi-general, you know, when you see that dialogue yeah. happening, then that's the, it's not necessarily directed, you know, it's not about me. It's about the, you know, about mm-hmm. the work doing its, doing its thing. Right. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause you know, we talked about how having a goal of, um, it, your art affecting people in a particular way, you know? Right. And, uh, yeah, I just wonder how you get back, you know, how do you know, how do you get the satisfaction of knowing? Yeah. And since you work in so many different mediums that appear in so many different places, it seems like that could vary quite a bit. It does. And it's sometimes it's, um, it is, like I said, nose prints, mm-hmm. uh, fingerprints. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always, it's always the kids. It's mm-hmm. always the, you know, cause the kids are honest, right? you know, years ago we were doing this uh, light show down in Littleton and there was this, this thing that was just a very abstract uh, thing called castle on the hill. And it was just, it was like, it was like a castle on a hill made out of lights and okay. it just did this little uh, display. And, and to maybe uh, most adults, they wouldn't even see a castle. 
Right. But kids can see a castle in hell. Mm-hmm. And um, I had uh, a showrunner call me one night and, and said that there was a there was a mom with a kid and um, the little girl saw the castle and and, and kind of lit up and, and started bolt. Hmm. And the mom said, um, stay, come, come, come back here. Right. Susie, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. And, and the little girl turned around and said, I'm sorry, I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, wow. Right, you know, that's right. like, ka-ching. Yeah. <laughs> what I love about those kind of things is that, uh, you can't predict them. I'll share one of mine. Uh, so like the, the first graphic novel that I wrote, it's called the burning metronome. It's like a supernatural murder mystery. Right. Uh, I met a woman at San Diego comic-con, maybe 2017. She just had two strokes. So she had aphasia, you know, so, uh, wasn't able to pull up the words that she wanted. So she was struggling to communicate. She bought my book. Year goes by. I go back to San Diego. I see her again. She's speaking a lot more coherently. She's definitely worked through it. She told me that she used my book for speech therapy. Hmm. And she's like, uh, so with my therapist, I, we both read a chapter and then I have to describe it. What happens in your book in my own words. And she was like, a lot of weird shit happens in your book. (laughs) (laughs) But like, that's not something that I could have ever imagined. Yeah. Like that it could occupy that space in her life. Right. Yeah. And so for you, like when you right. see these people have these reactions to your work, it's just, it's a, yeah. it's a blessed thing. It really yeah. is. Yeah. No, it really is. And, and, and for me, it's, you know, it's, it's also the numbers, you know, I, I'm doing popular stuff, mm-hmm. but, but it can be hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And that see the, that work, right. You know, over time or in a short period of time. So to me, that's, you know, cause it's like, maybe I only got one, you know, one person a night yeah. that felt something, mm-hmm. you know, but that counts. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, you know, to me, it's as, as, as important. I, I, but you know, I mean, I'm lying, you know, of course I would love to have be, you know, thought of well in the art world or mm-hmm. in the museum world or any of that sort of stuff. But, right. but I, I still say, well, you know, if you can touch a lot, you know, like in, 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 with you, with a graphic novel or a comic, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many copies mm-hmm. go out, but it's a, a lot of copies and those copies float around sometimes forever. We're always right. seeing, you know, that the stuff comes back up or somebody treasured it. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the comparable experience I have actually is I did a TED talk during the uh, lockdown. So nobody oh, was really? There. Yeah. So nobody was there because of the lockdown. Right. Uh, so I'm really oh, wow. kind of just giving my energy to the camera, but I don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. But when they posted it, uh, it's at, it's like a million point three views, wow. which is crazy, right? It's hard for me to even conceive right. of that many people caring about what I said in an empty room. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. right. The beauty, the beautiful part of it is that people have written me from, like found my email and written me from mm-hmm. Australia, Mexico, okay. India, yeah. you know, like. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, that audience is huge. Right. You know, and, and, and it's that person in Australia, you know, that you, that you got through to and, and, you know, bless their hearts for reaching out and, right. you know, I'll get, I'll get a letter every once in a while or something that, and then you go, wow. Okay. Somebody, somebody saw that. Right. You know? Yeah. I think people don't realize how much it means when oh. they take a moment. Oh my gosh. Oh say, yeah. Hey, you're our, oh my gosh. Our, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you work like we talked about, you worked in so many mediums, you do so many different things. So when you have an idea, how do you decide which ones to pursue, which ones 
to like put on a show for a while. <laughs> Which one's funded? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good system. <laughs> are you like? Do you, are you pitching the funders a lot, or is it just kind of like at this point the things that kind of come into your purview um, or whatever? I have I have never gotten one gig by going out and pitching it hmm. and and somebody saying yes. Hmm. Um, it's really strange. It's still all incoming. Yeah. Um, usually, as a, it used to be a phone call. People don't do phone right. phone anymore. But it used to be a phone call, and I get a phone call and say, "Hey, uh, you don't know me, but so and so said you're the only guy hmm. in the world that could do this project." And it was usually true. <laughs> nice, you know, because of the strange combination of, of skills or chops or whatever. Right. They don't um, have many magicians. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody's got to, you know, can, those this side of the magic and this side of the retail and this side of the right showgirl headdresses that that open up and pop open to do the you know spring huh. spring loaded clown noses, you know. Um, uh, so. But now, I mean, I'm the last few years have been really. I, I'm finally coming home, which is really nice. Uh, I found out early on that in for Colorado that I could live here, mm-hmm. but they couldn't necessarily make a living here. So, okay, so did a lot of traveling. Yeah, and uh, made you know made our money in other places because I could just the Denver market. I don't, I don't know how long you've been here, but it's like, it used to be that local was not a pretty word yeah, yeah. and uh, did not, it meant second class mm-hmm. and it meant uh, less than, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a real import town because we were a boom town. Right? right. So we brought everything in. So then I'd have to go to California or New York or Texas. Right. Texas has a lot of money mm-hmm. or, or Hong Kong. My God. <laughs> um, and the last, and it's only been the last few years. And since I started working with DCPA and all of that, that I'm able to get, like, now I feel like we're home and I can. That's cool. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. It's really, and it's really nice to be seen. Hmm. I mean, even today, this is a great honor to be here. I wow. didn't, you know, I tell these folks, it's like, I don't even know why they let me in, you know. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm glad you came. It's a good conversation. <laughs> okay. So has anything, uh, substantially changed about the way you approach your art just throughout your career? I probably, um, trust my method mm-hmm. a lot more than I used to. Mm-hmm. Cause I was always, I was always trying to find out what the method is because I, again, I didn't have the teaching. I didn't have the credentials to, to know what pro- the process is. And, and when you're doing strange work, like I'm doing, there's not exactly, it's not exactly a roadmap it's yeah. not like building a house, right? It's, it's different. So, um, for me now, it's, it's, it's exciting to start trusting, um, what the method is, whether it's crazy or not, it's how I've been able to get by. And, um, it's not a linear process mm-hmm. and we, we've got a few different studio rules, okay. like what we go by and it's always path of least resistance. Right. And it, we're always grabbing the lowest hanging fruit and just keep on working and keep on, you know, yeah. keep on doing it. And we don't, we don't wait for anything. We, keep up, you know, we right. try to bounce around and just get anything done, you know, and you get that soup made uh, eventually. And a lot of processes don't like to work that way. They, mm-hmm. you know, like you do this and you do this and you do this. So just trusting that now is, uh, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's madness, you know, 
but done it enough times to understand what I can do and how, how much we can get done within a period of time. And you know how it is. It's always you right. know, squeezing it into that last right. 30 seconds, no matter what you're doing. Huh. Well, I've noticed you've been saying uh, we throughout. Mm-hmm. So is, is your spouse also an artist or who, who are you referring um, to? Uh, my now husband. Okay. Uh, uh, we've been together 40 years wow. uh, last May. Huh. And so we were, thank you. Uh, it's been a long time. We've been together since I was 21. He was 20. Wow. And um, so S- that's, that's. Snatched up a younger man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we became quick glue and um, uh, we didn't, haven't always worked together. There's been a few times that I had to like go work and he worked separately, but for the most part we, we've worked and we've sort of divided the business up and. Cool. Uh, the house up and yeah. all of that. And, um, and then we, just because my projects now take, I think the current project is going to be 30 or 50 people by the time we get done. Okay. You know, cause they're getting bigger. Right. <laughs> they're getting more complicated. So hmm. take, it takes an army now. I don't get to do as much of the physical work anymore. Right. You know, but, um, but it's exciting seeing the, you know, the big stuff come together. That's really beautiful. I mean, just to uh, have like, uh, I mean, a creative partnership that lasts along, let alone yeah. romantic. Yeah. That's really dope. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and, and we're very lucky. I, we're very, very lucky. It's not, not that there haven't been some really, really tough times, mm-hmm. but no, we've just very made it in the right way. And, mm-hmm. and he's my rock and mm-hmm. um, we're lucky. But, uh, you know, it's like I was talking to somebody yesterday, just, you know, with any with those long-term relationships, you just has to be the two of you against the world. It has right. to, you have to just, you have to absolutely commit to yeah. that. And then once you're there, then it's, it's not, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. The years go by pretty quickly. Okay. Okay. So I like to ask about, um, so for people who are listening, uh, you know, I assume that a lot of them are going to be people who are thinking about their own artistic journey. Um, so we talk a lot about like, what you've been able to do, what you accomplished. But also I think it's important to talk about things that didn't go according to plan, right? Mm. You mentioned a retail store or <laughs> you can talk about that or you can talk about something else, but just some, uh, please share a story. Oh, something that didn't. I, I, someday I want to do a show called My Beautiful Failures, <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. which is just every project that went just so horribly wrong, huh. you know? You know how the how the business coaches always say, you know, fail as big as you can right. fail. Well, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the more learning you can get done, the the better. Um, well, I don't know what I haven't failed at. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of failure in 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 all of it. I don't know. You you blow it, and then you're down on the ground. I call it the concrete trampoline. Hmm. You know, because you. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite an image. You, it hurts like hell. Right. You know, you, you fall off that pedestal, whatever it is, a pedestal mm-hmm. that you put yourself on or somebody else put you on mm-hmm. or whatever, you, you know, cause you're reaching for the stars and, right. and you trip and, uh, you fall off the pedestal and, and, and you hit that concrete. And then I don't know what happens, but if you do allow that, mm-hmm then you do end up in a higher place. That's why it's a trampoline. Hmm. You know, you end up in just a slightly higher place and then you fall again. And, um, but, uh, you know, how many thousands of pieces of art, you know, I've made and 
you know, and I, I see them at thrift stores, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I see them at auction the other night. I, uh, the other day I was on the internet, there was some auction house and there's, maybe it's going to go for 10 bucks hmm. or you, maybe it's going to be 500 bucks. You just can't, it's right. sort of like you, you make it, you do it, you give it out, you give it away. And, um, then you go back, hmm. you know, and find, find enough money to go make some more. Do you feel like uh, you would be where you are in your career if you had tried to avoid failure? Oh, absolutely not. Huh. No, no. I don't think anybody, I anybody with any level of success, I don't. I um, maybe there's people that like somehow it all works out, and <laughs> you're a, an Olympic champion and didn't have to work hard for it. Or, but no, I think it's uh, it's. No, I even I would <laughs> would credit any of my success to to my pain. It's huh. like both ends of the same thing. Right, right. It's all together. It's yeah. all together. Huh. You know, just like grief is is you know unspent love, mm -hmm. right? It's the same thing with this work. It's just like you know, hmm. I think our despair and our hurt and all of that stuff is ultimately the fuel that we use to. Try to do the other stuff. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. You know, so many, uh, I guess I'll say aspiring artists. That's what they, that's how they introduce themselves, mm. <laughs> uh, are so focused on not failing and are so afraid of trying and doing badly. Mm -hmm. And, and that's part of the reason that I touch on this mm -hmm. when I'm talking to people, because I feel like, um, it's, it's important to recognize one failure isn't the end. doesn't destroy you. No, uh, but also, I guess uh, I want to ask, have you ever or do you deal with any kind of fear or artistic anxiety when you're going forward in something every day? Yeah. And how do you how do you manage oh it? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, you try to, you know, no, I, boy, I there, there's not a day that or night. Mm -hmm. It's usually at night, too. Right. <laughs> Everything's quiet. Oh, God. <laughs> right. In the middle of the night is when is, is when you're, you know, you're just full of failure yeah. and like it's in and the, and the stress. And I, um, a bigger mistake than try, than trying to avoid mistakes, I think is the fear of flying. Hmm. I, I, I see that over and over and over people, hmm. you know, people have got an idea and, and they, they want to be creative and they want to do this thing and yeah. they will, um, they'll start going at it and they'll start throwing stuff at it. And then they'll come a point that they've got the opportunity to either sabotage themselves and throw a fork into their own engine right. or they'll let somebody else throw a fork into their yeah. engine yeah. or they'll beg somebody else to throw a fork into their engine or they'll, you know, and, right. and it's, it's, it's easy it's easy to ha let other people destroy you. Right. It's easy to let other people destroy the work. Mm -hmm. um, it's easy for all the circumstances, mm -hmm. you know, to give you the, the excuses to not do it. Yeah. Um, again, I think I've been blessed in that um, I didn't come from a lot. And if I wanted to stay in, I had to pay the rent mm -hmm. and I had to eat. You know, it's like I didn't really didn't have an option. Right. I didn't have any I didn't have any family to go home to. I didn't have any place to, you know, there was no there was no backup. Right. And so in a way, that's I was lucky because mm -hmm. it's like, it, yeah, yeah, you had to fail and get up the next day and, you know, 
uh, it just you brought that up and now <laughs> these flashes of all of these unbelievably embarrassing moments in my life are <laughs> like flashing before me. Um, <laughs> I'm try to move into another space. <laughs> but but yeah, if you, when you look back at it, you, you know, comedy is tragedy plus distance, right? Right. Right. So, right. so it just you just got to get enough distance, yeah, uh, from it. But oh my gosh, and and if you're if you're lucky enough to blow it really big and people don't shoot you, mm-hmm. then you know, just take it as a blessing and, and, you know, pick yourself up and dust yourself off, you know, and, right. just, and go back to it. It's like, we, if you, you, you hear all these success stories of people that have made it and most, most often they'll talk about how bad they were or, right. or how hard it was at one point or another. Yeah. Uh, they don't talk about how easy it was. I don't want to hear a lot of those stories. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because people, uh, I think in general, are really focused on the victories and not the struggle. But if We live any- in that kind of society. Right. I mean, America, it's like, it, 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 you know, it's like cooking, you know, because I mm. try to talk to people about like art, because people say, oh, I, I can't do any art. I can't draw a straight line. And you know, I'm like, well, I can't either. That's what a ruler is for. <laughs> right. It's like, we all cook and eat food every day mm-hmm. and it, that doesn't force us to be chefs right 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 we don't have to be a chef to make a wonderful meal but for some reason in the arts man you're either you know emmy and oscar and <laughs> right yeah. you, you're either a star or you're nothing right and there's just a whole lot of room mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of room in there you know but we do have this thing in the, especially in this country that's yeah i mean actually that's what i talked about in the ted talk is just the value of art because uh when you grow up as an artist, as a creative person, there's so many people who are there to tell you, like, either you're being um, selfish or yeah. uh, irresponsible, you know, like you need to do something responsible to change society. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I kind of talked about how dictators always, when they come into power, immediately control and censor art because they know the power of it. Right. But here we are doubting it. Right. <laughs> you right. know, right. And uh, you're right. Like the, our society is so focused on just this person kept doing it and they, and they, they were starting out, not like how they struggled, how they failed, um, what, what connections they had to make, what are the mechanics of, you know, them making their way up. It's just an interesting thing, but I think for, I mean, for your first, your first graphic novel, was it a bestseller? Was it? No, no. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's interesting too. Yeah. Because I, I switched from like a super square profession (laughs) <laughs> Cause I was, uh, I was, I was doing music for a long time and it just wasn't doing what I wanted to do. So I gave up okay. and I, I was like, I can make money doing something I hate. And so I did insurance. I sold insurance for four years and that's the squarest job I ever worked. Yeah. <laughs> but what, uh, at some point I was like, this, is, I can't, I can't die as an insurance agent. You know, ah, like I yeah. met some good people and they, yeah. they they're good at it. But that, like, yeah. I can't, that yeah. can't be my life. Yeah. So then I decided to go into comics, which was the first thing that I ever loved. Mm-hmm. And um, that was 2017. And here we are. Well, <laughs> you know, again, not to do the Joseph Campbell thing, but it's like, follow your bliss. Yeah. Um, if, if you follow your bliss, the money will follow. Mm-hmm. If the money doesn't follow. At least you're happy. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's a good, good trade off, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, uh, it's important for people to make decisions, right? Yeah. Because I think um, people want to have victory without sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the tricky thing, right? Because like, if you go to this art course, I mean, if you walk the path of an artist, you may or may not make a living at it. Right. 
So you get you have to decide for yourself whether being an artist who doesn't have much money or resources, but is fulfilled right. is enough for you. And if not, right. then fine, you know, do the other thing, right. you know, right. but that's a decision that I think a person has to make. And yeah. it seems like a lot of people when they approach art are not really trying to make decisions. They're just trying to like hope it'll happen, you know, right. and work on it when they're inspired. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that doesn't work. Right. <laughs> you know that. There's a Steven you got to get up and get inspired. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. If you want to make a living as an artist, you can't uh, win an inspiration. No, no, no. There's a Stephen King quote, uh, which is kind of hard, but he says, uh, amateurs wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And no I, kidding. No kidding. Yeah. And I, yeah. I try to tell people that the idea is inspiration, but doing it is work. Right. You know, because like when the idea comes, I'm like, oh, this is great, but I got to write it down and then I got to take some action. Right. And that's the part that a lot of people, I think, don't feel the connection to, you know. Right. Well, and you and it also pays in the rears. Yeah. Um, meaning that some of the payoff of things in my past come today when I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, they, did, they didn't right. pay off then. Yeah. You know, they pay off. They pay off later. Hmm. You know, they pay off in memories. They pay off in, in impact. They pay off, you know, but you don't you don't necessarily get to see that. And especially as an artist, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, you got, you kind of just got to be willing to say, well, I'm going to do it and I'm going to put it out there. And then you may not get to see, you may not get to see the impact yeah. at all. Yeah, that's true. You know, or, or, you know, can you imagine what the masters would, some of the masters would think if they saw, if, you know, you know, Van Gogh's got six touring shows right now uh, right. around the world, right. six. I was just, you know, can you imagine, going. can you imagine what he, I mean, his mother was using his paintings to fix the chicken coop. Right. 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 You know, it's like, can you imagine if he were to pop in and go, oh shit. Okay. No. Okay. I was just about to bring up Van Gogh. I'm okay. going to take you on a little bit of a geeky deep dive. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you ever watched Doctor Who. Are you familiar with it? Maybe one episode. Okay. So uh, British time traveling yeah. Yeah. Uh, alien. There's an episode where he goes back, meets Van Gogh. During his life, Van Gogh, of course, is unhappy because nobody likes his art. He's afflicted right. with, you know, just all the things. He yeah, all everything. Yeah. yeah. And they take him in a time machine to a modern day exhibit of his oh, work. Oh, really? And there's just this, it's the moment of him seeing wow. like, all, oh, like, wow. it's, it's ridiculous. It's so beautiful. It's, oh, yeah. Like my mother doesn't even care about sci-fi. And I showed her that episode. <laughs> <and she loved> it. <laughs> you know? But like, yeah, you're talking about imagining that moment, just being able to see them act that moment out was, yeah. it was so moving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be sweet? All right. So uh, you encounter a young Lani. Ooh. Yeah. What, what advice would you give the young Lani? Mm. Well, I usually when I talk to young artists, it's like, if there's, if there's, if there's anything else you can do, <laughs> I mean, if, there's, if there's anything <laughs> right. else you're good at, <laughs> go do that. <laughs> okay. And then make art part of your, you know, your weekends. Right. And by saying that, I also know that a young Lonnie would absolutely reject that 100% and uh -huh. say, F you. <laughs> right. I'm going anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's like when I met my partner and I, I, I Terry, I never, cause I didn't think I was going to find anybody. I didn't let blow my soulmate. And it was like, no, 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 You don't want to go on this path. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been working on this by my whole life. I know how hard it's going to be. It is really, and I still remind him huh. every once in a while. Cause it gets really, really hard sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Got really hard during the pandemic. And I was like, I warned you, yeah, right. I told you, I told you this could be so freaking hard, right. you know, but, 
I don't know, be, you know, uh, be kind to yourself, um, get help hmm. on every, any, on any level, Yeah, you know, uh, financial, mental, psychological, emotional, um, don't stop pedaling. Hmm. Um, try not to listen to the critics. Right. Although yeah. you'll memorize every negative thing ever said about you. I try never to read the comments. That is excellent advice. Seriously. Cause I can, you know, I, yeah. I can still, you, yeah. you know, you can read a thousand positive ones. And oh then yeah. Yeah. One, and that's the one you remember. No, it, it, you know, they say an artist will remember a bad review long after he's forgotten his home address and his phone number. <laughs> that's so right. Real. And it's, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Although those, those negative, I remember getting a nasty review in Denver. We did, mm -hmm. uh, did a huge fashion show and, okay. and a local writer, I'll, I won't name him, <laughs> uh, just ripped ripped me apart and you know and those also fuel you because you, you, then you kind of go well i'm going to show you right i'll tell you this i had the pleasure of uh being interviewed about my uh graphic novel writing and stuff like that uh by a reporter who's now a friend i don't like to say their name either but they gave me a negative review on an album like 10 years earlier and didn't know i was the same person <laughs> whoa as a musician yeah is it, is it? yeah so in the interview, like, you know, they were like, hey, I really, I really uh, have been a fan of your stuff. I've been following us since the beginning. I was like, well, you haven't always been a fan. <laughs> they were like, oh. And I told them, yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, that really threw me off, man. <laughs> I love that. So that, that was actually a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is good. No, that's sweet. <laughs> All right. So uh, where are you heading now artistically? Like, what's what's next? Well, we're working on Camp Christmas again. Okay. Uh, so, but we're moving it. We're moving it to a fabulous uh, location. We're moving it to a place called uh, Heritage Lakewood Belmar Park. Okay. Which is May Bonfee's old hobby farm huh. and estate out in Lakewood. Nice. And it's turned into a living history museum. Huh. And they've, they've moved all of these uh uh, wonderful old buildings onto the site. Yeah. So we've got a diner and a motel and a gas station and a schoolhouse and a farmhouse wow. and a barn. And uh, it's fabulous. Right. And so uh, we're getting ready to do that. It's going to be an outdoor indoor uh, show. Pretty big. So about, it's about six acres. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're working, uh, we're working on that. And uh, which is, which is great. All right, Lonnie. Well, well, if people want to follow your work online, where should they go? Um, I think probably the easiest is on on social. Mm -hmm. uh, there's uh, there's LonnieHandson.com and uh, Camp-Christmas.com. Mm -hmm. uh, that'll be that'll be more active as we get uh, into the fall. Um, and just yeah, on the on the internets. <laughs> right on. Hey. Uh Thank you for taking time to talk to me. This is a great conversation. This was this was my pleasure. It was lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you to today's guest, Lonnie Hands On. Visit mcadenver.org forward slash podcast to learn more about his work. How Art is Born is hosted by me, R. Allen Brooks. Cheyenne Michaels is our producer and editor. Courtney Law is our executive producer. How Art is Born is a project of the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver.